You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Inside how the U.S. Armed Forces are using social media with United States Army Staff Sergeant Joshua Sammons. The priority of effort when curtailing and mitigating security risks like inappropriate pictures or inappropriate videos comes through, um, through education, through educating service members on what they should say, what they shouldn't say, and those sorts of things. It, it becomes a matter of education rather than regulation. Okay, I'm sure my friends on the far left are going to accuse me of knee-jerk patriotism, but I must say, I'm excited as heck with this next interview. It is a uh, interview with uh, Staff Sergeant Joshua Sammons of the United States Army, um, who I had a chance to see give a presentation uh, when I was working with the United States Marine Corps at their Public Affairs Leadership Conference in uh, Hampton, Virginia, um, actually earlier this year in 2009. And I was actually really impressed with his presentation, uh, so much so that I introduced myself to him afterwards and said, I got to interview you for my podcast. And uh, he agreed to to do it. So here is uh, the interview with uh, Staff Sergeant Joshua Sammons of the United States Army. And we are going to play it for you in its entirety after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel, and I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom. Today, we're talking about one of our core offerings, the online pressroom. Using iPressroom's media platform content management system, non-technical communications pros can easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their content in a full-featured, branded online pressroom. See pressroom.target.com for an example. The same is available on a smaller scale as well for nonprofits, smaller organizations, and mid-sized companies. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to email us questions to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. United States Staff Sergeant Joshua Sammons, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, I'm excited. Thank you for the opportunity. So, uh, Sergeant, uh, you're teaching social media at the U.S. Defense Information School. Uh, what exactly are you teaching, and to whom, and for what purpose? Um, we have a lot of courses that we teach at the Defense Information School, from the basic print journalism sorts of things, to broadcasting, to, uh, to multimedia, web design, all sorts of stuff. And so each of our courses has a set of cur- has a curriculum and a set of requirements that the services tell us that we need to teach and so the social media, the social media needs of each course is sort of evolving as the services come to Dimfos, and they they tell Dimfos what they want updated. We can then uh, fold in social media content into different courses. So it's there isn't much that I can um, put forward that's sort of a blanket across the board social media lesson because each course is very specific. You know, a broadcaster with video cameras is going to be very different from a multimedia illustrator, which is going to be very different from a public affairs officer. But having people in the schoolhouse that know about social media and know about trends can help the services kind of realize what it is they actually want to teach. 
And so, so, we, so tell me, if you would, I mean, is social media at this point uh, pretty much a public affairs concern? Or, you know, is the U.S. Army using social media for information operations? I mean, is it, it – are, are you guys looking at this as the new air cover or is this largely just another way to inform the audience at home and I guess abroad too? It's a little, I think it's a little bit of a few things. Um, I know that public affairs is being seen as, as a battlefield effect just like um, information operations or even – uh, art, artillery and other things, from my understanding, it's, it's seen as a battlefield effect. And so the senior leadership realizes that public perception about our deeds is important for um, for people to understand why we are operating in the areas that we're operating in and being as transparent as possible so that they see how we are operating. They're seeing that as, as an essential part. And I think it, it just goes back to the senior leaders realizing now more than ever the public perception of our actions is very important. And so uh, from my, my place in the DOD as a staff sergeant at the Defense Information School, I'm focused mainly on and purely on the, the public affairs part of it. Now, speaking to the question, is it just a public affairs concern? Um, no, it's actually beyond. It, it goes far beyond public affairs, and it goes to pretty much everyone across the DOD. Um, the Joint Service Publication 3-61 is, is the fundamentals of public affairs. It's sort of one of the base policies that all of us across the DOD use as we, as we operate as public affairs practitioners. And in the opening paragraphs of that policy, it speaks that every service member is potentially a spokesperson, and every service member should know how to safeguard sensitive information. And so we as public affairs professionals realize that dealing with the media and um, interfacing with the public through communication channels has always been beyond ourselves. It's always been beyond the journalist, and it's, it's always extended to, to every service member, potentially. And social media is just the, the evolution of that philosophy in that uh, we are trying to figure out the most responsible ways and the wisest ways to move forward so that we can empower correctly our, our service members so that they can wisely use these new tools. So you mentioned senior leadership, so I'm curious to know, you know, when you're talking to these five-star generals, who I've got to think are probably, you know, 55-plus and largely inactive like most people who are 55-plus when it comes to social media, um, I mean, are they looking at you as a liability or, or you know, the great white hope? Well, um, and they're actually just they're four-star generals, poor guys. But, uh, <laughs> but um, actually, most of the, the senior leaders that I've heard speak and the few that I've had the opportunity to talk with or just participate um, in seminars and stuff with, uh, most of them I have been very surprised that they are very excited about the possibilities that social media is introducing to the military. And I think getting a, a senior leader on board with something like social media is very different from getting other, other sort of segments of the military population on board. The senior leaders and supervisors and businesses are seeing this, too, with CEOs and other senior executives. They really just have to agree with the, the philosophy and the theory of social media and the potential benefits, and they, they decide to move forward um, despite the, the, the potential risks. And it's up to the, the other levels, the, the middle levels and even the lower-level leadership, to figure out exactly how to do that. And the military has always dealt with that. You have the senior leadership who who determine where and when the military operates, and it's, it's up to the other levels of leadership, the lower levels of leadership, to actually figure out what that means and how that works. The officer may say, go out and secure this area, 
a lower level officer may say, all right, we need to take this hill, and then even on down to my level at the NCO level, all right, I have to figure out how do I motivate my soldier to help us take this hill. So it, it, we all have our part, and social media is no different. The senior level leaders that I've heard are very pro-transparency, very pro-genuine levels of communication, very pro-being uh, truthful in our, in our operations. They're, they're all very hip to these sorts of things. And so while you might think personally they may be of varying um, levels of acumen with, with technology and with, um, with using social media, I think most of them, the ones that I've heard, are very much on board with what social media could mean for the military and, and ushering this new era of communication. So you think uh, the E-ring in the Pentagon is ready for this? I, from what I've seen, from, um, from hearing my four stars speak and from hearing my chief of public affairs speak, Major General Bergner, and my chief of staff, General Casey, and even seeing all of the, the, the buzz of activity in the other branches, uh, Marines, Air Force, Navy, and even the Coast Guard, uh, I think that we're realizing that this is the name of the game and that there is a lot of movement in the upper levels to make sure we do it correctly. And so I, I can't speak for everybody, but from what I've seen in my, my places here and there, I think they're getting ready if they aren't already ready. Talk to us about how the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense and the U.S. Army are currently using social media. With the U.S. Army especially, I'm, I'm very, very stoked to, to be a part of the Army at this, this point in time. They're doing a, they're doing a lot of stuff. And I know DOD is also pushing for a lot of things, but... Um, we're engaged on all sorts of different trends in social media, social networking, um, content sharing with sites like Facebook and Vimeo and Flickr and things like that. Um, we're also engaged um, on Twitter, um, Facebook, MySpace, all sorts of places, and for, for different reasons. I mean, you get into these social media trends for, for, for the reasons, that the advantages that they offer you, but we're doing a lot. And even, um, I know the Marines made, made quote, headlines with their ban on social media, which actually is kind of funny. It wasn't a ban. Um, it was actually a clarification of an existing policy. But even the Marines are, are getting on board in different areas as well. So there's this huge movement to social media, and it's, in, it's an incredible time to be a part of public affairs as we are learning t to operate in this new, this changed communication paradigm. I mean, I could go into specific examples on exactly what what is going on with social media across DOD. I know the Army has roughly about 54,000 fans currently on, on Facebook. The Marines, with their recruiting command, have about 75,000 fans. Air Force, they're rocking out about 5,000. Coast Guard, about 4,000. Uh, and then the Pentagon Channel on Facebook is about run about 700. But also with things like YouTube, Flickr, Twitter, the different services are all getting into these, these channels. If they aren't already there, then they are uh, examining the reviewing policies to see where they need to plug in. And so while there might be pockets of resistance or pockets of, uh, of concern here and there, by and large, it seems as if the entire DOD is realizing that this is the new information battlefield. This is where public opinion is won and lost. It's not just through the legacy media. It's not just through typical communication patterns, but it's also with this new um, form of communication. Uh, one person that's guaranteed to listen to this podcast is your mom and probably your dad. All right. And <laughs> since you're a Navy brat, do you want to maybe mention how many fans they have on Facebook? Oh, shoot. I don't know how many friends they have. On, I know they are on Facebook, um, and my sister is as well, and uh, I love them very much. And, yeah, they're some of my biggest supporters. And uh, You're going to take a ribbing for not knowing that and for knowing the oh, other yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah, here's some questions. Uh, I actually posted uh, to my Facebook that I was going to be interviewing you, and a few okay. of my Facebook friends asked some questions that I'd like to relay. And the first okay. one comes from Tia Nelson. Uh, she attended my social media boot camp that I taught for PRSA in Orlando. I think it was earlier this year. And her question is, is the U.S. Army actively nurturing relationships gained in social media? Is there someone from the Army actually having conversations with civilians? Uh, yes, there are so There are several people. Um, and now, as far as like on an official Army-only capacity, I know that there are several people that work directly with social media at, in the office of the Chief of Public Affairs. Um, but it's, it's, it's the, whole, the whole idea is a much more decentralized approach. Um, you know, our, our senior-level leadership, General Caldwell, uh, General Casey, General Bergner, these, these, these high-up uh, gentlemen, um, are encouraging the, the everyday soldier to also be engaging in conversation. And so I can't list, I can't tell you everybody that does, because all you have to do is kind of log on to Facebook, see the Army um, fan page wall, and you can see the different people who, who are interfacing with, with the public. Now, some of them are veterans, some of them are friends, some of them are family, some of them are soldiers. Uh, but I can't, I can't. I couldn't give you a number on exactly who is doing it. But what I do know is that the intent is to decentralize the push and to empower anyone who wants to with the right tools, so that they, in essence, become spokespersons for the for the U.S. military and the Army. I know I do. Every time I have conversations like this, every time I talk with people on the subway or at a seminar, I know that I am sort of informally representing the Army, and I conduct myself accordingly. But and I would like to think that that is a part of the ongoing army conversation with the public. Um, so to, to answer a question, I would say that you know a, a lot of us are anybody that realizes sort of the role we have to play as communicators in this new world become uh, part of the conversation. And so yes, there are uh, official people in those spots, but they they are letting the rest of us sort of take up our our mantle and to tell our own story. So I'd like to drill down on this a little bit deeper, and I'd like to use a question uh, that was given to me by Don uh, Kilberg uh, of the U.S. Department of State, who attended the social media and new media training program I taught at Foreign Service Institute earlier this year, and I should say who also served in the U.S. Army Reserves as an, as an infantryman for four years. His question is, is the U.S. Army systematically listening? And he, he says systematically listening. And is incoming information used to reconsider or revise outgoing information? I um I can't I can't speak to that as far as um like it, what the army is doing systematically. I do know that there are a lot of people that are are taking social media um, and are monitoring it and are are maintaining their presences in places. As far as the public affairs push, it, it's to establish trusted channels and it's to establish genuine transparent channels of communication I, I can't really speak though to uh, to systematically how how they're interpreting that information and how that's how they're redirecting it uh, I, I would have to point them to toward contacting somebody in like the office of the chief of public affairs or whatnot but I do know that from my level as a, as a staff sergeant you know fairly modest level um, that I'm being given the opportunity to to contribute to the policies and to the to the direction of things and I'm, I'm blown away but I know that I am focused, especially at Dimfos, on preparing our service members to interface with the public to tell a story, but I, I couldn't speak to how we're sort of reinterpreting information. Good question, though, isn't it? It is. It is a very good question. So I do know that... Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. I do know that... Oh, sure. Um, the tactical considerations of social media 
are being considered in so, in so much as, you know, how you can use social media internally, I do, I do hear a lot about. And just like businesses are realizing that they can use social media trends internally for internal wikis and internal blogs, and even with platforms like Yammer, you know, sort of an internal Twitter, and that... Ooh, can you hear that? Sorry. It's okay. It sounded really official. Yeah, it is. It's we sound really like we're on the. We feel like we're in the inside now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm at the the schoolhouse now. Um, I do hear a lot of. I guess we'll have a place where we can head it. I do hear a lot of um, people in the defense media activity, which is it's, it's where Dimfos falls under, and it's where a lot of public affairs um, organizations kind of fall under organizationally. Um, Jack Holt is sort of the the new media guy for the defense media activity in partnership with a couple other people, and he is very interested in exploring the, the tactical value of social media tools. Having wikis and having blogs that we can use in our AAR process, our after-action review process, so that we could speed up sort of the lessons learned process so you don't have to wait for a unit to come back to the states to learn what they learned, but you can have almost instant feedback on missions and intelligence and making us very agile as an organization. I do, I do know that that sort of thing is, is, is going on and is being developed on the internal side of things, if that's speaking to the question or not. But uh, as far as my, my involvement with things, I just, I'm just being told um, and being encouraged to develop these tools for external communications. And uh, my Facebook friend Teresa Christensen asked, um, how does the military monitor pictures that personnel post to social media sites? She says she thinks uh, there could be security risks or that the grizzly quotient could be very high. There, um, there's, there are always security risks when you uh, um, allow anyone to ever say anything. And it's, there's been security risks since the dawn of time. You know, the, the Civil War plans that were found wrapped around cigars, the loose lips sink ships thing in World War II. There's always been the problem with people saying what they shouldn't say or posting what they shouldn't post so on and so forth. And social media really is no different. It, it does, I will grant, that it's, it makes it far easier to have these potential security risks, but the, the priority of effort when curtailing and mitigating security risks like inappropriate pictures or inappropriate videos comes through, um, through education, through educating service members on what they should say, what they shouldn't say, and those sorts of things. It, it becomes a matter of education rather than regulation or policy. I do know that um, there are a lot of people that, and it's a normal public affairs function to, to help monitor what is being said about us. And if we find that somebody is giving unauthorized interviews to the public or if they're saying wrong things, I mean, we, we, that's something that we've been dealing with for decades. Uh, when it comes to social media, it becomes easier to search for things. It, if it becomes a problem with soldiers posting inappropriate photos, there are people that monitor that sort of stuff, sure, and it's, it's something that's easily tracked back to a specific person and that that person can be contacted and that action can be corrected. But there are security risks, but the misuse of a platform doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't try to use it. I mean, if it was up to the Secret Service, President Obama would never leave the bunker of the basement of the White House because it's easier that way, you know? I mean, it's, it's easier to keep him locked up, to keep him safe. Just like a mechanic would never, if you asked a mechanic if you could take up his aircraft, he or she wouldn't want to fix it later. So, of course, he or she would say, no, of course not. You, you can't use it. It's, it's easier, sure, to lock away access to something. Um, but it's, it's harder to make it correctly used. If I take a four-hour lunch in my workday, 
you don't ban lunch. You come down on me and you say, don't take a four-hour lunch. I mean, there's extreme differences in, in action. And when it comes to social media and security risks, yes, there are security risks. Yes, there are concerns. But our senior leadership, from President Obama to the Secretary of Defense, uh, through uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mullen, on down, they all recognize the risks, sure, but they see the benefits in establishing secure, um, trusted channels of communication and having this genuine, transparent method of communicating with the public. They see that risk, and they see the benefits, and they go, you know what, let's, let's move forward because the benefits are so great. Well, I mean, look, obviously, you know, when you talk about social media engagement at the military level, the stakes are extraordinarily high, right? I mean, we're not, we're not just talking about proprietary business information here. We're talking about national security. So to the extent that you are at liberty to discuss on this podcast, you know, what is being done from a security standpoint, I'd be particularly interested to know, you know, what – what the what the U.S. Army or even the the U.S. Armed Forces uh, strategy is to combat cyber terrorism. Um, as, as far as how are we protecting our operational security, the military has a very um, elaborate and robust system of we call it OPSEC, operational security training. Every service member receives regular OPSEC training, and it goes into how and when and why and how service members should interface with the public and what they should tell their friends and what they should tell their families and what they should watch out for. That's been in place for forever, and we're always continuing to to bolster that and to refine that. And the social media problem or the social media concerns do add a new dimension to that. Like we were saying before, service members have more of an opportunity to, you know, support to almost have security or to, to post inappropriate things or whatnot, but, but the training and the educational system and the need for it is there. As far as to, to counter cyber terrorism, uh, I, w- I wouldn't know exactly the, the specific means that we are launching to counter that, but from my um, experience as a public affairs educator, as I, as I teach my service members, my students, to go out and operate in the public affairs field, it falls along the similar lines that we've always taught of safeguarding sensitive information, knowing when things are classified, knowing when things aren't, the process of how you correctly release information, and educating other people and reminding them that there is a process to release information. There is a reason why we don't say certain facts of, uh, from a unit or of an operation. There's a reason why we don't mention certain, certain things at certain times. And we, we teach service members how they play a part in the larger picture when it comes to uh, national security and when it comes to military operations. You're exactly right. We're not just dealing with, uh, you know, stock prices or bottom lines or, or futures or whatnot. We're dealing with lives, and we take that very seriously. And there are huge um, efforts that are in place to, to safeguard that. And social media, it, 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 it just reinforces the need to continue that educational process. Um, uh, Sergeant, speaking about the war in Afghanistan, uh, Joint Chiefs Chairman Admiral Mike Mullen recently said, and this is a quote, this isn't just a war against something, it's a war for something. The trust and confidence of the people who live there, who, if given the chance, will, I believe, choose not to allow themselves or their land to become a safe haven again. Uh, that's the end of the quote. Um, based on, I mean, you're, you're obviously exposed to people inside the military who are serving over there. I imagine you're privy to a lot of inside information. Um, Based on what you know, is Afghanistan 
impervious to the influence of new media? Or, or could social media actually play a role in winning the trust and confidence of the Afghani people? I, um, I couldn't speak to the like the adoption rates of technologies and stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm not very uh, very hip on exactly how much internet access they have, or just the current trends of, of literacy, or, or has it been increasing or decreasing or whatnot. But I do know that um, we we will continue as public affairs professionals to keep telling our story in as many channels as we can. And for us, and for for my corner of the of the military, my my little career, it's it's just telling our story in the most effective way and social media allows us to to do that more effectively i believe and my leadership believes in being more genuine in our communication being more trusted because it's more regular it's more um it's more consistent and so i would like to think just like we used it in iraq and we we're using it in afghanistan we always have that it's it's just telling the story to as many people who can listen now, if it's the Afghani people that, that are listening, great. And if they're listening in greater numbers, great. I don't know the, the data that, that, that is in that, you know, talking about adoption rates and whatnot. But I do know that social media channels and social media trends allow us for more consistent communication with telling our story to the public. Now, currently, in addition to DOD and the U.S. Army, the U.S. Navy, the United States Marine Corps, uh, the U.S. Air Force uh, are all experiment, experimenting with social media. But uh, the Department of Defense still has no formal umbrella policy for governance. And there's a review uh, that's uh, considering the benefits and risks of using social networking technology at the Department of Defense, uh, which is expected to conclude this month, and uh, which could lead to a new policy on the use of such tools in, in the DOD. Have you heard anything about the policy? Do you have high hopes for it? Uh, inside uh, inside your uh, you know area of access, is it something people are excited about? Uh, you know, what's the general consensus? Yes, um, it, it is something that we're very excited about. Um, to say to talking about the DoD's sort of lack of a, um, an umbrella policy for social networks. Sure, there there has been a we haven't had an umbrella social media policy, but what we have had are a lot of our existing policies that are still very relevant. Um, you know, that joint publication one we mentioned earlier, which talks about um, how every service member should safeguard information and every service member is potentially a spokesperson. To, um, to a lot of our existing policies that, that talk about how we, should, how we should approach avenues of communication. Um, like when I'm training a service member to speak in front of a, a camera, a television camera, I tell that service member, you know, stay in your lane, speak to what you know. If it's your opinion say so and okay and if i set that service member in front of a keyboard for to become a blogger i'm going to tell that service member stay in your lane speak to what you know and if it's your opinion say so so a lot of our older policies are still very applicable to social media and it it allows us to move forward wisely while this um, overarching policy is, is being developed and so that's why we've all been able to move forward in these initial steps figuring out how the Air Force wants to fit into things and figuring out how the Army wants to fit into things while the policy is being written. Um, you know, we're told by our Chief of Staff, our Chief of Public Affairs, and even, I'm going to mess up his name, um, Mr. Price Floyd, he's the the uh, the Assistant Undersecretary for Defense for Public Affairs, I believe is his title. And he's I've heard him speak several times, and he's a great advocate for social media, talking about wisely moving forward and taking our our initial or taking our our past guidelines and wisely moving forward it's in our it's in my nco creed in the army to take initiative 
and take appropriate action, excuse me, in the absence of orders. And so even when there's no specific order telling me to, yes, go onto Facebook, I can see the value, I can see the public affairs value, and I can wisely move forward. So the policy is, is undergoing um, coordination. It hasn't been signed yet. And I have seen a, a bit of a draft of it, but, you know, a lot of that could change. But we are very excited about it. It's, I believe it's going to be a balanced policy that allows us to continue this. It's not like we're going to put the brakes on everything, and I'm excited to see what comes out of it, sure. And I think a lot of us are because it's, we do need some kind of guidance that allows us to take the third and fourth steps, where we, whereas we've already taken maybe the first two. The, um, if, you, if you walk through the Pentagon and you walk down the, uh, the hallway of any of the floors of the E-ring, where the senior commanders are, and you walk by those uh, walls where it has, you know, the office of the Joint Chiefs, these big signs on the walls and these battle ribbons and all these war uh, um, uh, memorabilia. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very theatrical experience. And I've got to think that, um, you know, to walk through any of those doorways there and walk in front of a senior commander and ask for something or make an argument or try to state your case requires a certain type of sensitivity, a certain type of um, intelligence. So I wonder if you could give us your tips on speaking truth to power. I think it's similar to um, what business people have to undergo when they when they stand before their CEO or their boss. Maybe not as theatrical as you were talking about with uh, you know the the memorabilia of, of wars fought in ages past or whatnot. But um, when speaking to people in power and when, when presenting your case to somebody who obviously has more influence than you, it's important to, uh, to remain tactful, definitely, and remain respectful. And it's important to be, I believe, it's important to be genuine as possible. As an NCO, as a non-commissioned officer, um, you know, I'm pretty much from, from the ground up trained to do my job, do it well, and to speak to, so that I can fulfill my mission and to, to take care of the soldiers that are placed under me to remain tactically and technically proficient. And so whenever I'm stating my case, for example, sir, ma'am, social media, and perhaps all of the things that I personally believe it can allow us to do more effectively, you know, speaking better to the public, being more genuine, being more transparent, I will present my case in that, you know, ma'am, sir, I believe this is the way we should go because of X, Y, and Z. And because of the, the, the trust that exists between the officers and the NCOs, and they will realize that I'm not just there um, you know, just randomly saying something, but that I, I feel strongly about it. And that's one of the things I love about being in the military is that, that camaraderie that exists amongst all levels of leadership and that even an E6 like myself can be taken seriously even though in the great span of things, I'm just a, a little blip on the radar. I'm just an average, honestly, just an average enlisted soldier. I'm an NCO. Um, you know, I, I have a great pride in that. But as far as, you know, the leaders of the free world sorts of, we're talking that kind of scope, NE6 is kind of just an observer. But the fact that I can be taken seriously if I, if I can present my case in a genuine and tactful way to leadership, it, I think, speaks volumes to the quality of people that serve in the military. And so whenever you're presenting your, your, your case to somebody of power, it's just a matter of being respectful, being persistent, and being genuine, I believe. But, I mean, you've got a particularly tough nut to crack because you're making an argument to a commander 
in a heavily regimented command and control style of management, and the argument is one of, of decentralized communications. You're coming in to the command and control community and saying, hey, we need to decentralize, we need to let go. I mean, I've got to think that is a challenge. It, it, it is, um, but we do have to start to draw some lines as far as, you know, as a public affairs practitioner, I deal with a world of information that is of a certain caliber. And that's very different from somebody, let's say, in the intelligence community or in the national security areas or even the strategic level leadership. Because we're not talking about um, necessarily classified and, un- and we are, well, we are talking about classified and unclassified information. As a public affairs practitioner and officer, it is, it is my DOD-directed purpose to give out the most information in as quickly a manner as possible. Now, it's not just any information, and the mantra that we have is maximum disclosure, minimum delay. That's, that's one of the tenets of our, of our faith as, as public affairs officers. But we have to realize that that information is released information, you know, past tense. The information that I'm told to, to distribute as much as possible is information that has been released. It has been seen by the leaders. It has been seen by the generals as being necessary to be, be released to the public. Um, or that does not jeopardize people's lives. And once it has gone through that process, which is a process, releasing information is a process, once that information is released, it is given to me and I'm told to roam with it and and to go out far and wide and tell that story. And so it's a tough nut to crack whenever you are approaching somebody, let's say, who is in command of a certain unit and you are trying to convey to to him or her that, sir, ma'am, I believe the unit should have a Facebook fan page for example, and that commander might say, mm, I don't know, for whatever reason. A lot of times it's not, or most of the time, it's not that the commander is, is against speaking to the public, but the commander might have legitimate security concerns, may have legitimate um, qualms about doing so. And it's my job to say, um, you know, sir, ma'am, I realize that there may be our concerns. I am here to help work through those concerns. And luckily, for me in this time and place in this administration, I've been told by President Obama, indirectly, uh, um, Secretary Gates, and on and on and on from the senior level leaderships back to that point to move forward in this area so that I can come to my local commanders and say, ma'am, sir, given the strategic intent from our highest levels and given these established practices by our, our, you know, our counterparts in other areas of the Army, I believe that we can implement these specific initiatives that better tell our story and mitigate the risks that perhaps they are holding, that, you know, maybe their prejudices or maybe their concerns, we can try to assuage those and we can try to kind of move past those. But it, I'm empowered because my senior level leaders have told us all to figure out the best way forward, and I'm also empowered by seeing what the other services are doing, and so I can come to the fight with that whenever I reach somebody who perhaps is resistant for one reason or another and we can proceed on that round. So I have a lot of angels on my shoulders, so to speak, when we're starting to crack these nuts. Staff Sergeant uh, Sammons, we met at uh, the Hampton Public Affairs Leadership Conference for the United States Marine Corps, and uh, you were on a panel with uh, uh, your service uh, uh, members from the Navy and the Marine Corps talking about what's being done from a social media standpoint, and I was just blown away with your presentation. I didn't want to tell you that at the beginning of the interview because I didn't want to, you know, butter you up too much. Um, well, thank you. But I appreciate, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. 
And obviously, you know, by talking to me, you are somewhat in an official capacity. It could be seen that way. I wanted to ask a personal, a personal question, and uh, I hope you would feel at liberty to give me your personal opinion on this, not as a representative of the U.S. Armed Forces, not as a representative of the U.S. Army, but as an individual who is, has a keen knowledge of social media. Because, I mean, you know, you, 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 you showed a presentation which demonstrated to me that you, you know this stuff inside out. And so I'm curious to know, um, you know, we've been talking about, and, and what you're doing is largely working with uh, um, soldiers and officers to show them how to use social media to um, uh, amplify and make discoverable information that's intended for public disclosure. But as someone who understands social media and as someone who understands uh, the ways of warfare, um, can you see a day when social media becomes a core component of every soldier's training regimen? I do. Um, I very much do. Uh, I think we are already starting to see this happen. Um, I know that the Marines in their basic training and their boot camp they have sort of online etiquette classes on you know, how to behave online. And I know the Air Force is working on, at least I've heard that the Air Force is working on similar classes, and I realize that the Army is, is, is examining it as well. I think all the services are realizing that it's not, interfacing with social media is not just a, um, a public affairs problem or it's not just a public affairs concern, but every person needs to know how to behave online. And just like we teach our soldiers personal finance you know, classes. We, we, have, we have these self-improvement sort of classes, you know, how to maintain cars, how to inspect cars, how to drive safely, how to, um, how to manage your finance as well. I believe we are also going to start to see how to um, behave online in more responsible ways, how to um, correctly use Facebook, how to correctly use social media. And we can, we can then use those opportunities to further bolster our operational security safeguards and just reminding people, look, you know, what's on the web is on the web forever. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. Not that we're trying to shut down people, but we are just trying to safeguard the lives of the men and women that are serving um, across the world. And so, you know, given that sort of happening, I believe it is going to become ubiquitous. I believe it is going to become something that is just a part of our lives, just like it's hard to imagine our lives without email or cell phones. And those technologies are very recent, you know, if you want to start peeling back the layers of history. And so I think social media, similarly, will be adopted faster than we think, perhaps, in some areas. And um, I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I'm a big fan of looking forward even beyond social media and exploring what happens when we start having civic applications and, you know, the semantic web and augmented, augmented reality and all these sorts of things. I think it's going to become uh, very much a part of our daily lives. And as a service member, with whether it's profiles, whether it's the military's version of Facebook, whatever, I believe it's going to be something that is, is a part of everyone's life constantly. S social media was used tactically um, during the, uh, 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 the electoral uh, protests in Iran. It was used by, I believe it's pronounced the Bazaji um, secret police, um, who were putting out uh, tweets? They were retweeting tweets from um, from U.S. based uh, media outlets that the U.S. based media outlets never tweeted. They were posing as protesters and trying to organize um, 
protests to try to gather people uh, into one spot so they could arrest them all. And then uh, they were being uh, debunked and revealed uh, by social antibodies online, protesters that were basically outing them and posting their names to to different sites. Um, What I'm interested to know is, you know, do you see these tools becoming as much a part of of um, uh, of a soldier's uh, you know uh, tools as you know artillery. I mean, I mean, if we trust, if we can trust a soldier with with lives and artillery, why not laptops and iPhones? I mean, do you see that day? As far as um, there being uh, wide open access and, and such, and yeah, that- as as far as them having these tools. I mean, I I, I think back on the outrage. That uh, that uh, was discussed in the U.S. when it was revealed that uh, the servicemen in uh, Iraq were driving around Hummers that weren't properly outfitted with the right armor, and it it was it was outrageous to to many people, and so I wonder, you know, is it just as outrageous to send you know a soldier into battle without the tools to build trust and confidence, as the Joint Chiefs Chairman said this war was about. Um, as, as far as uh, as far as training and stuff goes, is that? What and again, personal that? opinion here. I don't want you to be on the hook for for DOD or for U.S. Army. I mean, as somebody who understands social media, do you think that these tools become so pervasive that they are standard issue with an M16? Um, I believe um, that the the training and the education that is going to take place, as it sort of has to, because of the adoption rates that. You know, soldiers are tweeting their lives away every second, and even some of my quote, you know, younger friends that are in their teens and in their early twenties. It's amazing to me how different they are, even for myself as somebody in his late twenties, uh, in their use of social media and their, you know, at all hours of the day. And so I think that we already realize that the generational differences require us to sort of alter our perception of communication and how how things work. But I believe that the military has always been very dedicated to allowing soldiers or allowing service members to use the communication tools that allow them to feel connected to their family members. And, um, you know, it's not, just, it's not just for public affairs, but social media tools, are, they're going to be providing valuable input in recruitment and enhancing the quality of life for our military personnel, information sharing with our allies, coalition partners, military families. I think we already realize that social media has a established place with all of these areas. And I think that's one of the reasons why the DOD is pushing to not even call it social media anymore, but to call it Internet-based capabilities. That's, that's sort of the verbiage that I'm, I'm hearing a lot more these days. And it, it sounds kind of clunky, and it doesn't sound sexy, I, I realize. But, but I think the idea, if you call it social media, people will see it as maybe just being social, and they'll be, or just as being media, and they'll write off certain areas of military life, like, well, it's, that's a PA thing or that's an intelligence thing or whatever. But if you refer to it as Internet-based capabilities, it, it speaks to the spirit of this is something that, it's something that you're expected to use. It's something that you're expected to, to have at your, in your arsenal. It's something that's just part of your operation. And I think that's the, the direction that we're moving in already is seeing it as a part of our daily lives, allowing family readiness groups to connect more easily with their loved ones overseas, allowing their loved ones overseas to blog about their experiences, 
in living history so that we're not necessarily having to chase them down 50 years from now to capture their stories, but, you know, as we do with the World War II veterans and the Vietnam veterans and so forth, but, and the uh, Korea veterans, but we are allowing them to tell their own stories now so that their grandchildren can have something and that it all fits into our public affairs mission of capturing the military story. So I, I, I think that we are already moving in the direction, assuming that it is and will or will be or is or wherever we are in the spectrum, a part of our daily lives. And that a soldier, an airman, a sailor, a marine, a coast guardsman will know how and when he or she should or can engage and and not, not jeopardizing the mission, but accomplishing the mission and at the same time utilizing social media and telling their story. I think it's all a part of the grand plan. Staff Sergeant Joshua Sammons, United States Army, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.